On today's episode of Rice, we'll be reviewing Shin Godzilla and discussing the bumbling bureaucracy of governments during major disasters. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice Podcast, where each week we review a minority-led film and debate a cultural topic that stems from the movie's themes because we believe that our stories matter. I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay super cute Asians. And on our panel today, we've got hilarious comedian and writer Leonard Chan. Hello! And the also hilarious and looking, <laughs> looking, <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it doesn't work when you fumble over it. <laughs> <laughs> super extra hilarious, Veronica Antipolo. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> um so uh let's uh um let's uh jump in on uh what the most memorable what what the most memorable part of your past week was. Let's start with Veronica. Oh. I ordered a very embarrassing amount of takeout this week. That's what I have to show for myself. Um, <laughs> I, I need someone to just come and cook for me. Like just, I don't need a partner. Just live with me in harmony and just cook for me. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, how about you, Leonard? Um, well, I, uh, I made uh, my television debut on uh mm. so I, I had two shows well not television debut but on tuesday i had uh, a bit on this hour 22 minutes and then i had a bit on tall boys uh and then the bit on this hour 22 minutes was an anti-asian mm. racism piece that unfortunately became just extremely relevant the very next day when the atlanta shootings happened so that was pretty much my whole week because then mm. it was just like that shit blowing up and then just me talking about it all week. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah sadly, perfect timing, but uh, you know, it does seem like all this has been building up over the past year. And uh, oh, I've been banging the attention. drum. Yeah. I've been banging the drum on doing like an, like an anti-Asian racism piece on 22, like all season. And like, we only just got a hashtag like what a month ago. Yeah. <laughs> all this. Yeah. And then, you know, it finally happened. We got the, we, I got the piece on the air, and then this happened. And I was really hoping it would be a lot more irrelevant than it was, but here we are. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, and we'll we'll, we'll definitely get get talking about that topic for sure. Um, for me, my week has just been super crazy. I'm trying to catch up on my taxes. <laughs> um, it's a little bit crazy because I've I've got to do taxes for for my corporation, which then pays out to my sole proprietorship which then pays out to me so it's like triple taxes and it's uh it's it's a little bit crazy um so anyway nobody wants to hear about my taxes but then it's definitely <laughs> causing me a lot of stress um and i i'm i'm in this uh youtube intensive course because after 13 years i on youtube i have 500 subscribers who i'm grateful for every single one of those 500 but i do feel like i i could be doing better after 13 yes. <laughs> 13 years um so it's a very intensive but probably the best thing about it 
is it doesn't sound funny, but it costs so goddamn much that it forces me to pay attention because I ain't mm. wasting that money. Like this <laughs> is gonna like though that dollar value is gonna translate to actual results if, if it kills me because it's you know <laughs> it's I I in in the middle of a pandemic I'm not wasting that kind of money <laughs> without results. So it is very motivating. Um and That's that is the highlight of my week. And now uh, let's get into our main review of the week. And this week's review is, of course, Shin Godzilla. And uh, the main questions we're going to go over is, uh, can Japanese filmmakers and uh, original owners of Godzilla, Toho, make Godzilla relevant again? Um, and uh, is this better than the North American version of Godzilla in the MonsterVerse, which, of course, is coming out very soon with uh, Godzilla versus Kong or Kong versus Godzilla. I don't know which uh, which version um, or which order the title is in. And also, is Shin Godzilla actually an allegory for a real-life event, or does it just kind of seem that way? Um, we will answer uh, all of these for you in today's review. Um, so, uh, Shin Godzilla is about Japan being plunged into chaos upon the appearance of a giant monster. <laughs> Tell me if this sounds familiar. Um, but the interesting thing is, you know, this returns Godzilla to its roots as an allegory. Um, of, of course, for people who don't know, the original Godzilla was created um, as an allegory for, 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 um, for nuclear weapons. Um, back in 1954 and was really critically acclaimed. And then it kind of then became more of like just a fun popcorn filled monster kind of movie. Uh, but this really returns Godzilla to its roots because this movie was created um, after the 2011 Japanese earthquake and tsunami that then led to the subsequent Fukushima Daiichi nuclear disaster um, and all the bureaucracy and international attention, everything that it was getting. So this was sort of the new generation's way to use Godzilla again as an allegory. Um, it was produced by Toho and is the 31st Godzilla film and 29th produced by Toho, of course, with the two American films. Um, it's starring uh, Hiroku, no, it's starring uh, Hiroki Hasegawa as Rando Yaguchi, also starring uh, Yutaka Takanauchi as Hideki Akasaki, and Satomi Isahara as Kyoko Ann Patterson. Um, hopefully, I did those <laughs> names uh, oh, justice. I want sushi so bad right now. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um, so let, let's let's dive into let's dive into uh, into this movie and get our panelists non spoiler overall reactions. Let's start with Leonard. Uh, interesting movie. Um, you know, it was there, there was no. I mean, there were there was no real clear protagonist, really. You know, like maybe one or two of them are like, okay, maybe we can follow these guys through. But there's just like so many people. It's just this huge cast. It's all a bunch of talking heads. It's just like a, a shot of a guy's face talking, shot another guy's face talking, shot mm -hmm. of a, you know, whatever. That's it's just walls of dialogue, you know. And uh, and yeah, I think I, mean, I think it is about Fukushima, and it's it's because it's really more about the politics of dealing with a giant lizard. Is really, <laughs> really what it was. It was just the bureaucracy and of dealing with the lizard and then some like and i think kind of the message was really like you know yeah like politicians should take accountability and then 
the ones that are like trying to do things for the greater good, those are the good ones. And the ones who are just trying to further their own careers and trying to like just be bureaucrats, those are the bad ones. And then that was pretty much it. You know, like like the lizard disappears halfway through the movie and you're like, what happened to Godzilla? It's still Godzilla for like half the movie. But I think maybe that's the whole point, right? Maybe the whole point is the real enemy is bureaucracy and red tape and just politics and... Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought it was all right. You know, it wasn't like my favorite Godzilla movie, but uh, it was an interesting Godzilla movie. It was like if Godzilla met Doctor Strangelove or The West Wing or something <laughs> like that. And that's what it felt like. Yeah, I, I, uh, and the special effects were not particularly special. I gotta no. say, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's definitely different. You know, it's a different type of budget for Japan. I think. What I liked about this movie is clearly made for a Japanese audience, and yeah. it wasn't trying mm-hmm. to go international. It's a very personal story, um, you know. The what I really liked was was with was with the characters. Um, you know, there's a lot of movies that deal with you know bumbling bureaucracy, but they always make the people like super evil. Whereas this one, it's yeah. just more, no, they just have different character motivations. Like, you know, the, the woman representing the U.S. wasn't evil. Like, you could totally understand yeah. her perspective. You could understand the U.N.'s perspective. Like, yo, you have a certain number of days to take care of this or else we're blowing up your country. Like, I could see that. Yeah. If they're like, if this yeah. monster is going to reproduce, like, we're going to take care of it. Um, I could also see, you know, the prime minister's, um, you know, his hesitance at first. I could also see, you know, younger bureaucrats being more daring and wanting to, uh, you know, they haven't been beaten down by the red tape of life. So they are still more hopeful. <laughs> so I thought it was a it was probably the best exploration of bureaucracy where there wasn't just like a super crazy evil person. Like everybody, I I kind of understood, and I thought that was really interesting. Um, I also think where where I say it's a very Japanese movie is you know obviously it ties back with the original Godzilla because there is that nuclear element, but also you know I say the secondary theme of this movie is you know Japan's place in the world of you know like. You know, they've they've gone through all this, you know, a lot of people in Asia and around the world, but more so in Asia, are still quite mad at them for World War Two and the nuclear stuff there. But like this movie is sort of like about them coming into their own. And, you know, as a Canadian, it actually resonated with me a lot because Canada, we're sort of in between two superpowers of like the U.S. and China. And we're just sort of being played. Mm-hmm. And I sort of felt that here with Japan of like, you know. They're they're much bigger than Canada, but they're not they're not the U.S. They're not China. They're still you know, but it's sort of like them coming into their own and taking responsibility and finally growing out of the shadow of World War Two and the nuclear thing. I know I'm going back to World War Two, but because it's Godzilla and because mm-hmm. it's a sequel to the original of the whole idea of like nuclear war, like I, I do think it goes there, and I think it's like this meditation on where Japan is now versus where it was then. And that's sort of what I took away from, from the movie. But let's, uh, let's get uh, Veronica's overall thoughts. So I, I'm not a big monster movie person. So I, 
I actually didn't know about all the themes of Godzilla in general because I was like, I don't watch movies like this. <laughs> but I did. It was very obvious to me, though, when I was watching it. I was like, ah, oh, this is about the nuclear bombing because there were just certain images in there. I was like, that's what it's about. So I was like, I felt like I had Cliff's notes. I was like, this is good. I felt like this was something you watch in grade seven if you didn't understand those concepts and mm. And for me, obviously, because apparently I have the intellect of a 12-year-old. Um, and I did feel what you felt there, Vong. I felt like I wasn't necessarily the audience because it felt like it was very focused like on a Japanese audience. I just felt like a, a fly on the wall almost. And like a little bit left out of the conversation. Mm. The, what The only thing for me... so what that left me with was just all the imagery in it because you know, like I'm not a monster fan movie or is that what you call them? I, <laughs> a monster movie fan? Monster movie. <laughs> yeah. Monster movie. And then also like just that whole, just that whole thing, like the, the political part of it. So I just, for me, it was just all about the imagery. And then even there, um, the special effects. Yeah. That, that distracted me when, well, is this not really a spoiler? But the first, the early stage of Godzilla reminded me of Easter bunnies, chocolate Easter bunnies with those weird mm. eyes <laughs> stuck on them. And I can't get that out of my head. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, you know, definitely. I, I think it's interesting. I, I tried to sort of. Um, you know, take a look at the effects from the perspective of you know, it's it's a movie budgeted for basically just for Japan. So they're not going to have as big of like a Hollywood um, budget. I will say um, it was creepy. <laughs> like mm-hmm. they really made a lot of the transformations super creepy with their budget. Yeah. Um, and it was interesting because they, this I think this was the first Japanese Godzilla where it was completely CGI because that was the difference with the Japanese Godzillas and the American ones is the Japanese ones always use you know, either either stop motion or puppetry and different things, um, but this one was their first attempt at, at CGI, so it was it was it was definitely interesting. I, um, you know, let's let's just jump into the into the into the full spoiler talk, so we can get into it a little bit more. So this is the official spoiler warning for anybody listening. If you are upset at spoilers after this, we are not responsible. Um, so you know, um, talking about the the different transformations and the and the the special effects, I, I think there were five transformations in total. I think this is the first time where they've created a Godzilla movie where he like transforms. I know there's other movies where he gets like upgrades of like he gets hit by lightning and shit like that, but like he doesn't turn into like from a little slimy thing into like this this was crazy how we how we kept transforming i thought it was yeah. quite beautiful the thing with his um with the lasers coming out of his back yeah. and like killing all that stuff so i i do think and i think the actual effects of like you know taking down the buildings and all that um and yeah i think godzilla he was creepy and i think well what i i'd love to hear um is uh is is both of your perspectives on that final image of Godzilla's tail where it shows Godzilla mm. was made up of like humans mm-hmm. reaching mm-hmm. for the top like what what did you think that meant cuz i have Sequel. no idea 
That's what I thought it meant. I thought it meant sequel. And that and actually I I was like where is it? Where's the sequel? <laughs> but um it was cre- you know what? The fact that that image made it creepy for me and also because you're saying this was the first time using CGI and you could kind of feel it. Well, you could feel it. And actually that made it creepier than CGI that's amazing. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I, it was for me. It was the transformations were. It, it got they got better for me near the end. Like I said, that first stage with the the chocolate bunny button eyes. I was like, "What am I watching?" <laughs> but it did get it did get progressively better. I did start to wake up. I was like, "Okay, I, I'm going to pay attention fully now." Yeah, Leonard. What did you think of that final? shocking image like it was weird but it's also like i was like oh yeah it's just <laughs> Jap- japan japan being japan uh, <laughs> just weird shit like it was because they they weren't exactly human they looked like xenomorphs like from alien right mm, like some yeah. of them like might have had human faces but it was like really weird um you know and i think like the co-director of this thing was uh, Shinji Huguchi, who did Attack of um, Titan, right? Mm. And like they do real weird shit in that show. Like <laughs> so, I I don't know. I think like because I think like one of the theories on this was that um, like Goromaki, like instead of killing himself, he became a part of Godzilla, and it's like his head mm. at the end of the tail in its oh. fifth evolution, but uh, I don't know. Like, maybe, like other people were like, oh, like when he went through, when he was rampaging through Tokyo, like he absorbed people, I guess, mm-hmm. like with radiation. It's, it's hard to say. We'll find out in the sequel, I think is really what it is. <laughs> I, I think about it. Really cool. <laughs> So, Wait, is there a sequel? No, so well. so officially they will not be doing a sequel to this. They feel like, you know, sort of like the original Godzilla, it's sort of meant to stand on its own as an allegory. They are rebooting it as like back to um sort of what they did after the original Godzilla. It's gonna be more of like a monster verse again. So I think the filmmakers just... felt like they said what they had to say. Um and this was their way of like really, really putting out their point of view to the government of their dissatisfaction of the bureaucracy mm-hmm. after the um, after the earthquake, tsunami, nuclear disaster, and so mm-hmm. they're just going to leave it as it is, and then they're rebooting it um, back as more of like a monster, you know, more of a fun monster kind of filled uh, thing um, next. Yeah. So yeah, that's. That is where they're going. But, uh, you know, thank you for for your thoughts on that. Uh, We will be back after this commercial break to uh, dissect one of the major themes from Shin Godzilla. Oh, oh, actually, before we do that, I do have to admit something. I rented this and accidentally on iTunes, I clicked the dubbed version, which is really sad. Um, and I didn't want to pay the extra $7 to re-rent it in the original language. I don't know why. Usually you could choose the language track. Um, but no, uh, Apple uh, Apple really screwed me over there. So I will say that, that my opinion might have changed a little bit if I had been able to see 
uh, if I had been able to hear the original Japanese actors, because I was hearing really, really awful English dubbing. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that, that it was worth seeing. Um, and yeah, after this commercial break, we will uh, jump in and dissect a major theme from Shin Godzilla, which if, if you don't know much about, uh, about uh, Japanese language, Shin Godzilla means uh, new Godzilla. Um, or true Godzilla. Um, it can be interpreted in both ways. And we'll be talking about uh, bureaucracy during crises. Okay, and we are back. And, you know, after watching Shin Godzilla, you know, one of the major themes was bureaucracy during crises. And we just really want to dig in on this a little bit more. Let's bring back our a panel of Leonard and Veronica. And, you know, I'd actually like to take this in a different direction. Um you know, not so much about, you know, because obviously we haven't had an earthquake or a tsunami recently in Canada, but we are going through a giant pandemic. And, you know, certainly there's a lot of government bureaucracy at the federal, national um, level, as well as the local, municipal and the provincial level, uh, probably more more so the provincial level, because that is where uh, where the, where the health budget lives in in um in a Canadian government, but sort of, you know, what do you, what do you take from this movie as far as like their lessons on, on the futility of bureaucracy and red tape? And how do you think it applies to, uh, to Canada and how our government is handling this current pandemic? Let's uh, head over to Leonard. Well, I mean, the problem with bureaucracy, obviously, is that it's just slow. <laughs> and when you have a disaster that is uh, consistently evolving, whether, you know, metaphorically, as in a lizard with five different evolutions or, you know, COVID variants, mm. uh, you know, like things that are really, really slow take time to change. Like, you know, and then it's, it's and especially when like science keeps changing and science keeps you know, because science, you know, you don't get to the truth in a straight line, right? Like, everybody's like, complaining, like, oh, mask, no mask, this, that, whatever. Like, mm. obviously, like, there's a lot of uh, issues there. And so, you know, like, like the larger the organization, the slower things are to move, the harder it is for, like, the organization as a whole to absorb and process new information. And, like, it's just really difficult to escalate things, uh, to commit to courses of action because like a lot of the times, like nobody wants to take responsibility for decisions. Like nobody feels empowered to do things. I feel that's like a huge problem, especially the larger the organization gets. Like I used to, like I've worked for small companies and I've worked for big companies and like I am a big person. Like, so when I worked for the small company, I was great. I was like, there's no bureaucracy. Like I, but I am the department and I have no infrastructure to support me. But, <laughs> but then when I work for the big company, it's like, it's like the difference between like moving a tanker and a speedboat, right? Mm. Like you can get so much more done like with a tanker just because like there's just there's so much more weight behind it, but just to shift the direction of where it's going is mm. really 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 hard. And so I think that's the issue here, right? And so like yeah, like any sort of like quickly evolving problem is going to be a problem like mm -hmm. in the larger your organization. So you know, you see it all the time. 
That's a great analogy for sure. And it's funny with, with bureaucracy, it's different because I didn't work in government, but I've worked for crown agencies and I, I worked, you know, at, at the executive level um, in, in like major corporations. And um, so I definitely, uh, I definitely understand a thing or two about red tape. In fact, probably a big part of my success in business was I was very good at navigating red tape. But the, the funny thing is, when, with watching Godzilla, I really did like how it showed like the different areas. And I did like that it was like that younger group that still hadn't, mm-hmm. like, they still had hope <laughs> and they hadn't been beaten <laughs> down. Because I'll be perfectly <laughs> honest, I left business, um, the business world, partially because um, I, I watched, uh, you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman series and that quote of like, you know, you either die the hero or you see yourself become the villain. I was, I, I, I had started at Post Media and I, I had, and I can West and I'd been in charge of, you know, like the, you know, um, uh, new ideas, you know, content marketing, um, innovation and integration, all that shit. And then by the end of it, um, what happened was there was this young, um, this young employee and she was really pushing this innovative thing. And I just kept saying no. And she sort of went on with it um, in spite of me. And then she ended up winning like all these awards for the company. And then I was like, I've become the villain. I've become the red <laughs> tape. She was mm-hmm. like this young person. I was in charge of innovation and I should have nurtured it. And instead, I was the red tape. I was the bureaucracy. So I was like, okay, I need to leave because I cannot see myself become the villain. So I kind of understand like how it could be so easy when you're in it for so long. You just you don't have that fresh thinking. It's just so hard because you just feel like you've seen it. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I'm hoping for the new generation to kind of, you know, hopefully there's like, you know, that little, our equivalent of, of, of that group of, of people in the movie led by, led by, led by uh, Yaguchi, who is trying to come up with solutions because I do think the older generation, and I saw this in myself, you just lay back, you get comfortable and you, you become the problem. Um, so let's, let's head on over to Veronica. What are, what are your thoughts on bureaucracy? You know, I'm sure you felt it from the education system to, uh, there's so many Mm -hmm. things where you face a bureaucracy during the, uh, during the pandemic. Yeah, definitely. Oh, I mean, on the, on the receiving it over using, if we're using Godzilla as the allegory and transferring that to the pandemic, uh, we're the city. So there you go. So what happened to them? Um, (laughs) And I worked for a, um, a city public transportation service, which I won't name, but what's the use of that? You know what it is already. And <laughs> I attended a lot, I know, I attended a lot of committees um, and also prepped for a lot of the committees and uh, things to be approved at city board level. I'll tell you, bureaucracy, by the time there is an issue and it gets approved through all those different levels... The issue is no longer valid. So, I mean, the public doesn't know that. Not, I'm not excusing anyone by any means. I'm saying that's what's taking so long. And believe me, it's as frustrating when you're on the inside as well. And the other thing, too, is that uh, in companies like that, I can only speak for this one, I guess, 
there it's it's the systems in there are like like you said Vong there's no fresh blood in there everyone's basically the same age they're old gen x they're not even gen x they're boomers still and they need to get the hell out um mm. and so you have a lot of lifers that only you know know how to do things a certain way and so therefore um you're not going to get anything fresh innovative not necessarily problem solving not necessarily the best strategies. It's and guess who suffers? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> we are on the tail of that Godzilla. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, hopefully, hopefully, um, hopefully, the the government workers and bureaucrats in Canada can start turning it around. I know our vaccine response hasn't been um, the absolute best. Um, and uh, I don't know. Ho- hopefully, hopefully they, they can get better. I, I do think that for the most part, everybody is trying their best. Um, and hopefully, <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully, that'll be enough because I just need this to all to all get. I I, I know life's not going to get back to normal, but uh, let's at least be able to uh, be in the same room with people. That would be a very <laughs> yeah. nice um, start. Um, okay. You said hope. You said hope like five times. You're like, hope, please. <laughs> I am hoping. I am hoping. Oh, one thing too that I, I that uh, um, that Godzilla, um, that uh, um, that uh, that Godzilla uh, really reminded me of was when the prime minister tried to reassure everybody, and so he kind of lied that everything was okay and that Godzilla wouldn't uh, wouldn't be landborn. Um, and then uh, that sort of bit him in the ass and then people didn't trust. And I think that kind of happened with some of the medical professionals and what they told us um, early on. Um, and then they couldn't regain that trust. Um, and then it also just uh, fueled more misinformation. Um, because I, I, I do get that medical professionals change their opinion based on um, as the science evolves. But there was a few things they said early on because they didn't trust people not to hoard supplies that they sort of flat out lied to us, which then um, people didn't believe them as much after. So I, I will say that is a good lesson. I wish our government and medical community had watched Godzilla, Shin Godzilla, to see you can't lie at the beginning of the pandemic, even if you think um, it's a lie to calm everybody down because then nobody trusts you afterward. And then uh, the people spreading misinformation have actual video clips of you lying um and that's really that's really hurtful um because i i want to believe y'all but you know um yeah it's it it is what it is um and yeah i feel like i'm ending this on a really sour note but listen it's been it's been a sour week it's been a sour pandemic and uh, I guess that that is how we're going to end it. I want to thank uh, Leonard and Veronica for being on the show. Thank you to everybody listening to the podcast. I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for Gay Super Cute Asians. And that's what's up. Okay, and I'm just going to switch over. So our uh, podcast is done. 
Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.